<laughs> Thank you, you for joining us for Palooza oh. 2023. <laughs> uh, do you when do you ever like bark at the dog or meow at the cat? Because I do that I all the time. I will do like when Frankie and I are playing and she bites me too hard. I'll do the like to make her stop, and it works. Yeah. Aww. She I was just go up to the dog and I go crazy last night. Row, 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 row. Like I'm like fake fighting him. You Frankie, know. come here. Come say hi. Say hi to the people. Frankenfur. Oh, hey there, girly girl. I can't see her. But Sorry. I believe you that she's there. We got Blake in here, too. Double doggy duty. That sounded kind of weird, like sexy. But anyway, Ooh. welcome to the, to the cast. I don't know. People do that. They do double doggy all the time, which is definitely not something that i just made up right i'm scared i'm scared but too okay. it got away from me uh welcome <laughs> to the cast the spooky succubus cast um i'm abby here with rebecca and we are an anti-racist anti-capitalist intersectional feminist podcast about horror movies literally every time i want to say movie about movie horror. about podcast <laughs> But we've had a little bit of a lull because my computer and Mike were both like slowly breaking down um, and like praying for death. But I think we're in a better place now. So we're back, hopefully with better audio quality. Um, and we're excited to talk about today's movie. Yeah, I mean, we also like Abby has a regular person job and I started, I don't know. You're a, working like, really hard. A pipe dream. <laughs> yeah. And that, like, we needed another pipe dream besides this pipe dream. <laughs> besides this one. Yeah. I needed an, I needed more stress, uh, put on and expectations set for myself. I needed more of them. Um, so there's a song. There's, um, do you ever listen to the front bottoms or are they too emo for you? Um, I don't know the front bottoms. I'm so sorry to say. They're like Midwest emo. It's like, like uh, bad. It's like it's like. But I love. I have bad taste in music. I'll be the first. That's one not to true. Do, but I'm good just, and bad. I have highs and lows. Like all I, of I us. Don't, like all of us. Um, but one of their the lyrics in their songs is like, um, I take the toothbrush out of my mouth and say, "Listen, motherfucker, make it happen for me." Like you're in the mirror with yourself, like. <laughs> Listen, motherfucker, we're going to make it happen. I like hits me hard. I don't tell myself like inspirational quotes. I will be like, wow, you're being a stupid bitch right now. (laughs) Stop doing what you're doing. Like, as I told Rebecca via text, I had a manic episode this weekend and completely redid my bathroom. But you know, when you're like pushing through to finish something, but you're just getting stupid, like you're getting tired and you're getting stupid. You're making stupid mistakes. I did that, started to do that, but I was like doing electrical work. So I was like, okay, <laughs> you need to stop. Like, oh my but God. I installed that light fixture myself today when I wasn't stupid anymore. Wow. I only it looks really good. zapped myself one time and it was a very small zap. It was, that was just like a little, ooh, you know? Our fuse box no is depth. so confusing. It's like really poorly labeled and one of okay so for context we bought this house 
from someone who owned it for, I think it's only had like two other owners in the past, you know, 50 years. So we bought it from someone who owned it for like 15 years. And then before them, I think it was like an older couple that owned it for like 50 years. So the fuse box has the labels from like the older couple. You know how you can tell like old man writing? And then some of the stuff is crossed out with like new labels that are totally different parts of the house. And what? one of them says pool and it's crossed out. And I'm like, there's not a pool. <laughs> like our backyard is like a few feet by a few feet. I was like, what pool? <laughs> I was so confused. Weird. So I just ended up turning the whole house off because I was like, I can't tell what is what and I don't want to die today. But for real, she got it done. She did electrical work. Thank you I'm so proud much. Of you. you know um, who also I got did it electrical done? work too. Who you did? What did you do? Oh, so we live in an old townhouse, right? It's like I don't know the the townhouse condo whole like debate. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure this is a townhouse, but anyway, I think it's we a have, townhouse. Like, it's old because it's like together like we have well, I feel some like townhouses are like shared walls like vert more vertical too like condos have maybe like a wider floor plan i also think they're privately owned i think that's the other differentiation is that like condos are usually one property owner and townhouses are like multiple property owners it's like owning a tiny house basically gotcha and we're basically it's like a fancy trailer park like a trailer park, you can't move, right? But uh, I think trailer parks get a really bad reputation because they trailers do. are, first of all, extremely inexpensive, and they like look great inside if you take care of them and like can be specified to anything you want, like for your aesthetics, and they're so cheap. I would buy one if I didn't have this noose around my neck, which is a house that. I don't know how to take care of that. It's fun though. It's like new opportunities. I, there are like a decent amount of trailer parks in Arizona and like several of my friends growing up lived in the trailer parks. I Caesar and I have talked about it because we want to own something of our own that we can like build. And I don't know if do I would want to live with, in but... a trailer park just because that's a lot of people close by, but you could buy that... like a cheap piece of land and put a trailer on it. Well, there's that, but it's also I'm afraid of the people, the 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 rednecks who live in trailer parks with Trump. Right, that's what right. I am afraid of. Is that like that's not like a doesn't feel like a safe space for me for I'm you fine guys, with living around especially people. It honestly makes me feel more comfortable, like but, safer. Yeah, I um yeah, our house is nice because we have like neighbors on all our all sides, but they're not overly friendly. I love a like standoffish neighbor, but it's also yeah, like comforting to have people around, you know. Yeah. Um the people next anyway, to me on that side, they seem like if they have really fun parties. And I don't want to go to the parties, but I actually really enjoy like listening to them play music and laugh and have Aww. bonfires. I'm like, "Aw, but I'll stay here." <laughs> I mean, yeah, but then you'd have to go to a party if you went there. Gross. So, um, um, what did you do electrically? You didn't even tell me. Oh, fuck. Okay, so I live <laughs> in an old... <laughs> my God, we can't even get off track to get on track. Okay, so I live in an old t- townhouse. That's Part of it is falling apart. My landlord is terrible. Um, but our few... Our, the 
the electrical in the kitchen is literally, I'm sure there, if I looked in there, it's like held together by pieces of chewing gum. It's terrible. It's so bad. Does and it go out have, a lot? It goes out. If you have more than one thing plugged in and being in use, you can't use anything else. Ah. And so this morning, Caesar is making eggs and he, and I had my coffee pot going and I was outside with the cats and he, and he was like making toast and he didn't think about it and he plugged in the toaster. Toaster while the coffee maker's going. Mm-hmm. And he's like making eggs and then he came out and he's like, the fuse box. I was like, okay. So then I went to the fuse. Where's your like fuse box? Switch, but it's like on the outside. Like around uh, the corner. Yeah. It's not far. That is but. like, it is nice that blowing a fuse has such a simple fix. Uh, like, I'm an electrician, didn't you know? I, Frank, come on. I also feel like an electrician today because I you really are connected wires and put electrical tape over them. And I was like, but my brother-in-law came over partway through because he was dropping his dog off and mowing the lawn. He was like, you're standing on the sink. I was like, I mean, I can't reach from the ladder. <laughs> he was like very alarmed. <laughs> what are you going to do? As a short person, you stand on a lot. That's like, yeah, you, should, you probably should you be standing You put your faith in things like you definitely shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So should we talk uh, about this movie? Let's do it. Okay. Today we're talking about um, a seminal piece of horror comedy, The Menu. I, I really like. I kind of hate it. Classic, and I kind of love it. I like. I actually really loved torn. every think, minute of it, which is unusual for me. I watched it in a single sitting, which is again unusual for me. Wow, Caesar! Mm-hmm. I think the first time I watched it, I liked it a lot better. But on second viewing, there's parts of it that are a little disappointing. Yeah, probably but... just because of like the novelty and just like the sheer shock of what's happening. You're like. <laughs> but i can see yeah. the second moving being like wait a second you know i probably won't watch it again because i feel like once was enough you know once was yeah i the yeah so caesar and i watched it when it first started streaming uh and parts of it are like very it's the way i feel about the bear is like i work it's like the it's like a romantic romanticized version of the service industry is like it's like the service industry without being like I have to go to work. You know, it's like fun. It's like nostalgic yeah. almost. But anyway, uh, the menu. It's my turn to read, right? I hope so because my notes are not in shape to discern the plot. I forgot to write down that. Okay, so the menu directed by Mark Mild, written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy. This director has some. Wow truly hilarious credits um because this is such a like intense film and so like there's so much precision and like the shots and the aesthetic so i was like what else has he directed and then the first thing i saw was entourage i was like that's so unserious (laughs) like 33 episodes of Auntie. Not even just like one drive by directorial debut. He was no. in there. 33. Yeah. He was like, Adrian. A couple of episodes Dan of Game of right. Thrones and Succession. And I feel like Succession makes a lot of sense, like aesthetically and makes a lot of um, sense with some of the mm-hmm. framing and flow. But I just like, I was like, Entourage, come on. <laughs> um,. I've never oh, seen an Ali G movie, the Sasha Baron Cohen movie. <laughs> I was like, what are these credits? 
I mean, everybody, we all got to work, you know, but I actually uh, think Sasha Baron Cohen is a genius, but there have been some missteps for sure. <laughs> yeah. He like, in, he like insulted a whole country and like, didn't give a shit about yeah. it because it was people of color. Anyway. So we open on Nicholas Holt, who everybody remembers as like from skins skins. What's his name? on skins tony like alex tony okay i was so wrong um playing tyler and he's telling anya taylor joy playing margo to stop smoking or she'll ruin her palate a boat comes to the dock you know what's so funny about these two actors like i have memories of nicholas holt stretching back to like when i was a teenager and skins first came out and then anya taylor joy i feel like was like a child two years ago in the Vavitch and then seeing them like in a romantic pairing is really weird to me. I don't think they're anywhere near the same age. Cause I think, yeah, he must Nicholas be pushing Holt, 40 now. Uh, he was born in 89. So no. Oh God, that's my age. Am I pushing 40? Yeah. No, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> Oh, and she's born in 96. So they're, I just, eight I, years like, apart. It's so weird, like, because skins generationally hit, like, such a specific group of people at such a specific time. And it feels, like, kind of, like, so far away in my life, like a fever dream in some ways. And uh, every time the I scary see him, thing, like, are you real? Uh, is that they were they were teenagers, like, playing. They were actually teenagers. It's yes, not, like, 21-year-olds. So like, yeah. <laughs> right. So it would seem like he would be in his 40s because, like, in America they would be 20-year-olds. Yeah. Like, 25. That's so true. Like, 14 or whatever. I have thought about um, rewatching Skins, but I truly don't think I have the emotional fortitude to go through it again. It's tough. Uh, okay, my sister gotten- and I watched the Okay, we'll keep all also. Wait, I want to know what you guys watch, though. (laughs) Now I want to know. We watch, like, many shows on a loop, but uh, we're trying to get through the OC for, like, the fourth time. But my sister has, like, nine jobs. But, um... And all of those... All of those kids are, like, 25, except for uh, Marissa, who's, like, actually 16, who's playing next to like a 20 like he was literally 27 and he's like pretending to be 16 and he looks 27 and she looks 16 it's really weird that's like, so awkward. weird but at oh. the time we were all like whatever so cute like he's yeah like really cute but she did look really ben mckenzie in that show when you see her very young okay every time um, i see about- rachel bilson all i think about is how she said she basically never had an orgasm till she was like 36 and she was dating Bill Hader she was at that time. And I was like, what Good can you do? <laughs> yeah. Good for okay. B- Bill Hader. Let's talk about this movie. <laughs> okay. Um, a boat comes to, to the dock they're standing on to pick them up. Them and 10 other passengers um, to a high-end restaurant, Hawthorne, that's on a private island. Uh, the dinner they're about to have is twelve fifty a head. Which is a lot. But not as much as I would think it would be, you know? Um, 
and it only has 12 seatings a night. We see glimpses of the passengers that include three douchey loud finance bros, Bryce, played by Rob Yang, Soren, played by Arturo Castro, who is like the the light of my life. He's He has like a special place in my heart and soul. I and, literally was like, hi, Maggie, what are you doing here? I'm sorry. I'm staying a little bit on mute because the dogs are having a time. I was worried for a second that you had, I had gone, we had gotten lost, but I was just going to keep going. Um, and Dave, played by Mark St. Cyr, who is the only Black person who gets a line and who is, like, grossly underutilized. Um, there's an older couple, Richard and Anne. Um, Anne, played by... Judith Light, queen of the universe, Judith Light. Uh, Margot seems to know the man, but not in a good way. Lillian Bloom, a prominent food critic, and her friend, Lackey guy. I don't know. He's like, doesn't, he just like agrees. I believe it's her editor. Oh, is it? I wasn't paying close attention clearly, but he's like, I mean, he's he's an incidental. Yeah, he's just like fodder, candid fodder. Cannon fodder. Um, and movie star George Diaz, played by John Leguizamo, and his assistant Felicity, played by Amy Carrero. So, seating on the boat, as they're seating on the boat, they get their first course of an oyster with a mignonette, lemon caviar, and an oyster leaf. I don't even know what an oyster leaf it is. It just looked like a green nothing, but there's no leaves on oysters, so I was confused. I also was like... How do you make caviar lemon? Which is dumb of me, but I was like, is it like infused? Like, also, what's the I'm point assuming of caviar? Like, you're eating the, you know, hopes and dreams of fish, just like gulping down their babies. It's confusing. I, yeah, like traditional caviar are fish babies, but they're like fancy food is like such bullshit that you can make. It's not like actual fish eggs that have, that have lemon in them. It's like they made lemon caviar. Yeah. I think they made fake, like fake caviar out of lemons. Just squeeze a lemon on it for fuck's sake. uh, In MasterChef, they do a lot of fake caviar and it's a lot of like... You got to do like certain oils and sometimes gelatin or like fruit pectin, yeah. something to make it like gelatinous. I just think like anytime a recipe's like, get the gelatin out. I'm like, I don't want to. That's annoying to do. Cut it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like I not don't eat, eat gelatin, it because so. I know you don't eat it because it's an animal byproduct, but I don't have that beef with it. I just, I'm like, come on. Like I bought the food lab for Adam, which is. I forget the guy's name, J. Kenji, Kenji Lopez, maybe. Um, but it's so annoying. <laughs> like, it's very interesting because it has like a ton of stuff about food science. So basically, all of the recipes are like have been painstakingly tested by the chef to produce like the best kind of most optimized version of the dish. So I was like, okay, so I opened it up to make bolognese and they were like, get the gelatin out and i was like no <laughs> i will not do for that bolognese? yeah i was like why uh and i don't know why because as soon as i read that gelatin was in the recipe i changed course immediately i make uh like a mushroom bolognese that's really good mm, it is what kind of mushrooms do you use uh if i go to sprouts i get the fancy mushrooms but you know i just use like baby bella or whatever 
is available. It doesn't matter. Um, so. I've been doing portobello, like Parmesan, like instead of chicken Parmesan, and it's delicious. Mm-hmm. You never do oh. eggplant parm? I can't cook an eggplant. I don't know how. I've never done it right. Like, I just feel like I don't. I like eggplant. I just don't understand how to, like, cook them correctly. Eggplant parm is, like, oh, my God, so annoying to make. But my favorite meal, I think. Like, homemade eggplant parmesan, like the way my mom makes it. It's just, like, like, I can never get the texture right. And if the texture is wrong in an eggplant, it's an unpleasant experience. Next time you come to Phoenix, I'll make you eggplant parm. Oh, I am due for a visit. I want to be, like, cremated and turned into eggplant parm. Um, You use me as the breading on the eggplant. I would eat you on my eggplant parm. I love you that much. (laughs) Aww. All right, we've gotten nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) So, they're eating oysters. Um. Tyler is immediately annoying and pretentious about the flavors and the ingredients and takes a picture before Margot can eat. He, like, literally slaps her hand away. Uh, they check in with the host, Elsa, who is upset that to learn that Tyler's date is not who he originally reserved with, and Margot is a last-minute addition. Elsa takes all the guests, except for Richard and Anne, who skip the tour around the island, which includes where the oysters are harvested, gardens, bees, and the smokehouse, which is in the Nordic tradition of only using dairy cows aged for 152 days. I don't know. It feels very specific. I don't I don't know. I feel like it's made up, but I'm not going to look into it. I meant to look into it, and I never did. Uh, Dave makes a joke asking uh, if they ate them on the 153rd day, what would happen? And Elsa retorts with a graphic description of bacterial infection. Just like a quick little glimpse in what's to come. I do question some of the casting in this movie, but not Elsa's casting. Um, the the actor is Hong Chow, and she is like absolutely perfect in this perfect. role. Um, I love her. I wish that she would say something mean to me because it's like it's exhilarating. so cutting. Um, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> like when she delivered the emulsion, uh, I was like. Oh. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> we'll get into what she tells the boys later, but she hates them from minute one, and I agree. Um, she shows them her and the other workers' sleeping quarters. Their day starts at 6 a.m. and doesn't finish until after 2, which is, like, a worker abuse. Why don't they yeah. have a union? Well, they're in a cult, um, so. Yeah, but Elsa talks about the chef as if he is God. Wink, wink, because he is God. He's so heavy handed with the god metaphor. Island. My god. But you know, I Literally. have to look into this because you know the shot of the island where they're um stepping over like the driftwood on that kind of like white sandy beach. I feel like they try to make it seem like it's New Englandy, but that didn't look very New Englandy. And there's a scene in the Righteous Gemstones where they're like going to scope out like a Christian <laughs> a Christian resort location. Where it's like the same terrain, so I have to look into if huh. that's the same place. But I'll probably where they filmed. Too. Yeah, I I didn't look into where they filmed this. I think but. that scene was the like this kind of exterior sandy shot might have been Georgia, huh? The state, not the country. 
Uh, yeah. It makes sense because Georgia is like where everybody films things now, right? Mm-hmm. For, I don't know, it's cheap, I guess. Um, she sh- Okay, they pass by uh, Chef's Cottage, but no one is allowed in there. Uh, and then finally we are in the restaurant. They enter... Um, and there's already an older woman sitting at a table alone, drinking lots and lots of wine. Lambrusco to start. I love Lambrusco. Uh, the, the sh- they call them cooks, but they're chefs. Like in a kitchen, you refer to everybody as chef. So the the chefs work fervishly, and Elsa invites the guests to observe. Tyler is pretentious about the food with one of the cooks and asks him. Uh, like an annoying question and the chef knows Tyler's name and tells him like go take a seat buddy uh, and then we are finally introduced to chef Julian Slowick played by Lord Voldemort himself Ralph it is, yeah he was made in a lab to play these two roles specifically he's just like honestly good at everything like he's, he's like his so, delivery is like perfect. he doesn't hold back yeah <laughs> no yeah he like He's like you would say he's chewing the scenery, but he has like enough restraint not to go all the way, and his line delivery of everything is perfect. Like, Especially like he's the angry descriptions of each course were so unhinged, and <laughs> like, but he's so good at executing it. So it sounds like something you would actually hear in like a fine dining establishment, but then it's just also so off the rails. It's hard to like recognize that because there's no tonal shift. You know, <laughs> he's freaky. He is very freaky. And I think, like, he's, like, the benevolent overlord of this, like, island. Like, there's a lot of god metaphors. We are meant to think of him that way. He has such, like, a presence and, like, a magnetism that, like, you're on board immediately. And, like, all of the guests are also, like, brought into, like, his sphere of psychosis, right? But um, he appears in the kitchen and has a quick... Uh, like hushed conversation with Elsa and then glares at Tyler. The title card, we have all this like a bell dings and then the title card reads of the um, courses and it's like so perfect because it's very chef's table, very like pretentious highbrow uh, like food cooking show and I loved every second of it. Um, the title card reads Moose Bouche with the Hawthorne logo above. The servers put out um, compressed pickled cucumber melon, milk snow, and charred lace. I don't know what's char. What's the charred lace? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think milk. What is milk snow? I am assuming dehydrated milk. It's like they put like a. They were like, okay, we need like an adverb or like we need an adjective, <laughs> and they it, played it's mad, like mad libs. libs. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we pan around the guests and get glimpses of their conversations, and Elsa walks among them. Lillian Bloom, the food critic, is pretentious. Felicity is trying to quit her job with George. It's and so Soren funny. Tells- oh my <laughs> it's god! Like, I, I'm it like reminded me of Jim. Like I'm leaving. Why would you're not leaving? Like why would you leave? Like we have to do this. Like I'm here's your apartment keys. Like here are the keys. It's funny. That dynamic Ew. is too close uh, to home for you. Really? No, I just think it's really funny. Like I think as they like towards the end when she's like, "I've been stealing money from you," and he's like, "I know, <laughs> you know? I know," and she's like, "I know, you know." Um. 
And then Soren, like, very briskly tells the boys that uh, he and his partner split, he and his girlfriend. Uh, Margot asks if it's okay that she really asks Tyler if she it's okay she really isn't into this whole thing. And Tyler says he's with the coolest girl here. She is an object to him and nothing more. Literally. I mean, you read, he's like, like, you read sex worker vibes, like, immediately, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I also think, like... Yeah, he treats her so terribly and, like, so, like, not even that he, like, she is a sex object to him. She's just an object. No, she's I just, don't like, think a person he's even, like, who has to, like, sit in a seat across from him. And he doesn't Right, care. I don't think she's e- he's even attracted to her. He just, like, she, like, fills, she fulfills a purpose in his, like, life. And he's, she's, as like, a means to an end. He's, like, a Machiavellian dictator that has like no power or vision and is kind of just a dud of a person i think he wants to fuck chef or possibly just the food the i don't the idea of of chef i don't he is like such a weird like like sort of asexual like i don't think he's like right i don't think he's he's like not driven uh, by sex yeah, he's like very he's like not even interested even in the power that comes with being like a chef or a god. He just like simply wants to be a lackey. Like that's yeah. his whole goal. I um, also like kind of take umbrage with how they style styled Anya Taylor Joy. I feel like they put a leather jacket on her and like combat boots with like a slit a silk slip, slip dress and they were like core. That's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Next worker. Exactly. Done. I think, like, she could, like, I do like Anya Taylor Joy. I think she's, like, great. I think that this role In could some have applications, been performed. Yeah. And I think this role being occupied by a woman of color or a black woman would have been much more successful and the power dynamics between her and chef and her and Tyler and her and Richard would have been more successful and her occupying more of her own space and her taking right. her own agency would have meant more, but we can get to that later. So, um, Margot, blah, blah, blah. She asks what this whole food thing is about. And he says he doesn't idolize athletes or musicians, artists, but chefs because they play with the raw materials of life and death. Again, wink, wink, wink. A little much, he, also. Chill it's out. a little much. Um, and then he equates Chef Slowick to God, playing with life on the abyss. Uh, the first <laughs> title card reads, uh, the first course, Slowick uh, take, tastes a sauce and then tells the eagerly awaiting chef that it's okay. Uh, the plates are set meticulously while Chef claps and startles everyone except for the chefs in the kitchen who stand to attention oh my god everyone's like every time he does it like aren't you guys used to this yeah and the drunk lady in the corner is just like you know (sighs) um he officially welcomes the guests and he asks them not to eat but to taste and to savor um look around accept and forgive uh this course is called the island on the island are rocks from the shore of the beach frozen seawater to flavor as it melts um and then he is interrupted by tyler who's whispering to Margot that these are the scallops um harvested earlier he turns the room's attention to embarrass tyler but quickly lets it go wait he says does that, that guy die too the guy that was harvesting the scallops 
Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. I'm assuming that everybody dies. Um, He says that they do not exist. The island's nature will continue without them, and they are but a nanosecond. Nature is timeless. Tyler cries <laughs> and asks Margot if she <laughs> so thinks funny when he cries. that Chef likes him. Oh my god. I do He's think so that Nicholas Holt does do a very good job of being like Have you so... watched um The Great on Hulu? No. It's he's really funny. He plays against Fanning. And he's like she plays Catherine the Great and he plays whatever like Russian czar he she married i can't mm. remember which one it was um but he is very funny like extremely can you hear all these text chimes coming through or is that just me no i can't hear them okay good um i get texts but he's it's kind of texting? like it's kind of like this role but like it's very it's very funny you should watch it i enjoy he's like he's He's like the ultimate straight man who can like be like doofy enough. To, he's like a mm-hmm. doofy straight man, right? Yeah, he's still, he does it like, pretty well. He's usually incredibly charming as well. Not less so in right. this role, but he has like he has a little pizzazz. Oh, uh, speaking of just like straight white men that have charm, everybody is having a Killian Murphy summer right now, and I just want to point out that we have been riding this train for a long time. So you're wrong. I'm not going to watch Oppenheimer. <laughs> Me neither. Atomic uh, bombs are a crime against humanity. Because, like, again, we can't tell the atomic bomb story from the people who are actually affected by the atomic bomb. It's unhinged, right? yeah. Or I'm the sorry. people, like, who were forced off of the land where they made the atomic bomb who've lived there already. <laughs> like, Let's tell the story from the white guy's perspective. I'm yeah. just so, I'm tired. I'm so tired. I love. I haven't Clean even Murphy. watched. I, do. I like haven't even watched Barbie because I'm like this, like just the absolute like capitalist avalanche of bullshit surrounding it has been kind of like cringe to me. We're still on the strike, and yeah, I, I yeah, I don't, I don't really want to go to the movies during a strike. But the I know is, I wanted like, to I'm go also... see Haunted Mansion too, but like that's Disney, who's one of like the worst offenders. And yeah, it's Warner Brothers who produced Barbie, and they're like, like the wor- they're the worst. Like the the CEO just went on and was like, mm, they're doing, they're they're being terrible. These strikers are terrible. Meanwhile, he's got like a private island and a jet, and like like yeah. relax. There was uh, like a, you know the one studio exec that gave the quote, you know, like we're intending to push this until writers are losing their homes and their apartments. And he said it's a cruel but necessary evil. Uh, and people were like, "Some that was planted. Like, he never would have said that. Like, yada, yada, yada. He just, like, you know, somebody wants – some the strikers want him to look bad. So, like, somebody planted that. But then it turned he out – He already that, looks bad. Well, the, the press vehicle that he told that quote to was owned by the studio or, like, owned by the conglomerate that owns the studio. So, like, they – they nobody planted it. Like – he could have controlled that narrative anyway. And that's what he chose to say, like, in national news. I I just, like, 
we don't nobody even has to hide anymore like like people can say things out loud with their chest and like literally nothing happens to him like let's take away one of his houses we let's do it i don't like it's like a, a good metaphor for this movie is like all of them if they banded together could have done it but they're not doing it and right now all of the workers can band together and do it but none of us want to do it because we've bought into false narratives of like the american dream and achieving like this million dollar status or like placating to billionaires because they create Mm -hmm. labor or create jobs and that's false like the laborers i am glad sag joined the strike because i heard a um I heard an, an like I think it's do you ever listen to Yo is this racist that podcast with Tawny Newsom and Andrew T. They had a writer on that's like the one of the strike captains. I'll send you the episode because it was like a really good concise like high level overview of the strike. But he was saying like we were ready to give up, like we were <laughs> not ready to give up, but like morale was incredibly low, and like we right. were so dejected when the like SAG actors came on. And it just kind of like revived the whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, and the WGA, like, that is, these are people that don't do a job that's life threatening. They do a job that is like important, like media is important. And like the arts and kind of like the enrichment of the human spirit are critical. But also there are people like (laughs) railroad workers that don't see their families and like people that are putting their lives at risk, like minors. And those people are striking too. And it's getting virtually no media attention, which at least the WGA strike is like getting national attention because famous people are attached to it. And even they can't do shit. Like, it's so crazy. I And it's like, even the UPS strike, which they resolved is like, I just heard um, it's this like, fucking, I forget the podcast. It's like a workers union podcast based out of Mississippi. And he had one of the UPS workers on and she was saying like, the union leaders were pushing for us to resolve this, but we wanted more like 21. We wanted 25 and 21 feels like, not enough and they could have done more and then also like new workers aren't even going to get that and like we want to fight for people who are going to come after us not just for us so it's like even when you when the unions win they're not like really winning they're conceding to the higher-ups for what or why it's bullshit i know (sighs) anyway let's get back to the movie yeah which is about how many okay this is (laughs) yeah this is uh 20 38 Okay. Class we consciousness done this in a without while, so true. Class consciousness without intersectional anti-racist awareness is perfect. We love it. Okay, so Tyler's crying, and uh, Margot asked because Chef embarrassed him, and Margot asks, um, and he asks Margot if she thinks that Chef likes him, and she's like, "What are you talking about? Who cares?" What? No. Uh, Lillian yeah. is like more pretentious, and she's theastic, which I kind of like that word. I like her um, a lot. She's the last funny. Kind of kind of funny. Yeah. Um, George is unimpressed and more interested in talking about George. his new show he's going to pitch. Um the boys the are also star? unimpressed. George, George is a movie, movie star. star. He's credited as just movie star. His his name in the movie is George. George Diaz. George Diaz I don't know. Yeah. 
I think they're all playing like an archetypal role. So I think yeah, but why like only the- like make him be credited as movie star? Only only John Leguizamo. I don't know. I fucking love John Leguizamo. I do too. He's funny. I'm sure he's done. Uh, you know, he did Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, uh, Julie yep. Newmar, which is like okay. A great, I have to. I wish it a... was played by real drag queens, but yes, I but I did like the casting in that movie. Uh, I have to make a pretty like ableist confession right now about John Leguizamo, which is that the first time I saw him <gasps> in a movie was in Moulin Rouge, so I thought he was an actual little person <laughs> like for a long time until I saw him in another movie because he plays. Toulouse Lautrec as a dwarf in that movie, um, and or a person with dwarfism, and I thought he was like actually a little person for many years until I saw um, Tu Wong Fu like years later for the first time. I've never seen Moulin Rouge. Well, John Leguizamo plays a little person that is addicted to absinthe, and it's kind of a bad look. Um, but but he plays just- Toulouse Lautrec. Toulouse Lautrec, but Toulouse Lautrec is like, it's like, I think they just take the name and make it like another kind of like character. I don't, I have vague, like, I don't have good memories of the movie. It was kind of bad. Baz Luhrmann, like, he should put in, be put in the Hague. Crimes against humanity. <laughs> um, Weird. I think the first time I saw Jay, John Leguizamo in anything, it was the Super Mario Brothers movie. I love but anyway oh my god i forgot about that movie um he he was like when they were making the they made like the animated version or something i saw like a uh like i was on youtube or something and he was like why isn't luigi a like a person of color i'm not saying i have to do it but like right isn't that the like i'm a man of color i played fucking luigi why isn't luigi like a Latino, like give a Latino right. a role, and I was like, "You're right, give a Latino a role." Anyway, yeah, I mean, um, you can just make them Latino; like it doesn't matter. <laughs> they don't have to be Italian. There I are think no that's rules. What people fucking forget is that you can do whatever you want, and if you choose to like uphold white supremacist values for the sake of like being true to the source material, that makes you shitty. Sorry, shitty. sucks to suck. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about while I was trying to go to sleep last night when my one of my like thought my thoughts that were keeping me awake was like we made up everything everything is made up everything you know, that we're doing everything that we have exist until the late 80s that's not even real not even more than that we made up bedspreads and the idea of a job and like we made it all up and it's crap like why we could just forget <laughs> it just like la 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 like with i don't want to do this anymore like we could rewrite the whole thing nothing is real i don't get it i don't get it i'm confused who are you typing what are you typing over sorry, there? sorry adam just was texting me something about the house um okay let's get back into it um but yeah like that's i kind of forget that like our parents all bought their houses before credit scores existed <laughs> fuck you guys uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, like, so, it's complicated and complex, and, like, the fact that, like, redlining, and, like, oh my god, I have to burp. Sorry, I was just drinking La Croix, and it's, like, stuck in my chest. But anyway, it's all made up, and we made it up, and it's crap. 
I was listening to uh, to the Daily Zeitgeist, which is Miles Gray and Jack O'Brien, and they do like a pretty concise and good like roundup of the daily news in a leftist like fun way. But they had this guy on that was running for a city council race in Nashville, and he was like an older guy. He was like 58, 59, and he was like fine, but um he was just like harping on how he's like everybody thinks voting doesn't matter and then people don't come out and vote but if you vote it matters and i'm like you cannot tell us this like we know it doesn't matter <laughs> like i'm sorry you can't make me vote in presidential elections anymore i shall not be doing it i still vote in all just, like local elections but <laughs> like fuck you dude <laughs> let's throw it out I don't know why people are so obsessed with the idea of keeping things the way the fucking founding criminals wanted it. You know, they were criminals and pieces of shit. And like, can you not hear me? No, I just realized my computer fans like going cray cray. So I'm going to put a book under my laptop to hopefully make it stop. Hopefully the snowball isn't picking up like only computer fan right now. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> That's like all you hear. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. We're going to get back really to this. Okay. <laughs> Second course title card and uh, chef claps again, scaring everyone. He goes hilarious. over the importance of hilarious of uh, bread and the is being the food of the common man. But he says that there are, is not a common man here. So they are going to get a breadless bread course um, with just the savory accoutrements on a plate with a description of the bread that they are not eating, which is, again, gold. It's hilarious. I love it. I, I like, really love this idea I of, like, a too. breadless bread course for the, the rich man. It's so funny. Um, that's the problem, is that they're, like, clever, class-conscious jokes. But there's like, yeah, like very little racial or yeah. like feminist awareness. But the um, class consciousness is like there, like because bread is literally flour, water, and a rising agent. So like, yeah, it is for poor people, by pe- poor people, for poor people. Um, Lillian says that she's always been keenly aware of food's position and class structure, and so has the chef of course but then she complains that um one of the emulsions is split and you shouldn't see something like that in a restaurant of this quality uh tyler is delighted by the spreadless bread course and Margot says that they're being insulted um she's right and elsa brings over a big bowl something's making noise i, I don't know what anything. it is okay good um, Elsa brings over the aforementioned big bowl of broken emulsion, courtesy of hilarious. Chef Slowick, to Lillian's table. It's hilarious. It's like it's a, so like a cereal bowl-sized bowl. Um, the boys, with a Z is what I'm calling them, call Elsa over, and Bryce says that they appreciate the conceptual stuff, but asks for bread. And Elsa denies them, and they pull the do-you-know-who-I-am card. Hilarious. Uh, Soren. <laughs> Hilarious. Soren um, says that they work with Doug Varick, um, but Elsa corrects them and says that they work for him uh, and they will eat less than. Oh, wait. And then uh, when Soren is dismissive of her, she bends to fix his napkin and whispers in her in his ear, you will eat less than you desire and more than you deserve, which is like. It was chilling. I love yeah. her. I was I, I like ran straight through, through my like spine. I loved it so much. Um, 
I also want to know who styled her because this blunt baby bang like like, makes it, you know. The like high severe bun and the blunt bangs, yeah. (laughs) And the look on her face, I love it. I love it. Um, Tyler grabs for Margot's plate um, because she doesn't want to eat non-food and he walks knocks over a wine glass onto the floor in the process chef strides over and points out that margot hasn't touched her food and she says there is no food and they have a sort of tense terse exchange um he wants her to eat and she refuses to play his little games chef walks over to the older woman and whispers something to her uh third course title card the sommelier no, they uh, touch, serves like, eight- they touch foreheads it's funny Oh, I thought he whispered to her. Well, as he well. does, but then they like meaningfully touch their foreheads together, like very slowly like and the awkwardly. Least affectionate affection. Um, the sommelier serves a 2013 Pinot Noir with a with a faint scent of longing and regret, which I, I also. Died. <laughs> it's like because it's hilarious. Not far off, like fine dining is so outrageous. This is where like parts of this start to remind me of like my fine dining is like I had to sit through beverage classes and like wine classes and like oyster class, like literal classes as an adult for hours long before my actual work day began. And it's bullshit like this where I'm, they're like, what are you tasting in the wine? Old grapes. No, it's grassy. No, it's sunshine. No, it's herb. That like, is it's like all this stuff that I like. Crap. I would like I, to learn more about wine, but I also feel like, on the other hand, like it's grapes. I don't fucking know. You know. Also, I st- I just found one of my old beverage class like wine tasting. They give you. It's basically like early days. Psalm card is like what you, the notes oh, that really? you taste and like what that means. I'll give it to you. You can have that would be cool. Ryan, Caroline, Ryan Locke, who is like knows the wine, the wine, wine, wine guy? connoisseur of Boston. Yeah, everybody knows him. He used to like hold our wine classes. Um, he like I think he's a psalm. I don't know, but anyway, <sighs> where I does, one he, of his does cards. he work in? Like an actual restaurant, or he's just? I a think he still works at Shoreleaf. Oh, Shoreleaf has changed a lot. You should see it. Weird. Yeah. Last time I was there was New Year's Eve. Anyway. I, they were doing peppermint laybacks, oh, yeah, and had, I, for some reason, got oh, involved yeah. in that. It was terrible. I so, remember we had a hoodsie there once. That was cool. Really? Yeah, it was with I you did the worst, the world's... No, we didn't go to shore leave. Oh, yeah, we well, did. Well, at one point we did, and I definitely had a hoodsie with you. Um... Okay, we don't need to. Yeah, talk we did. About I forgot. This. Anyway, okay, I'll say that. I'll t- we'll tell off air. I'll tell you that story. Okay, so, <laughs> okay. um, so Anne tells Richard she thinks that they must know Margot, but he denies it. She says she looks a lot like their daughter Claire, and he shuts her down immediately. Felicity and George discuss her leaving for a better future. Um, and Chef says that this next course is called Memory. He says growing up in Iowa, his favorite night was Taco Tuesday. He goes over to his mother, the older woman in the corner, who is very drunk at this point. His father came home one Tuesday night very drunk. His mother screamed at him, and he wrapped her in a phone cord um, around her neck. Chef stabbed him in the thigh with kitchen scissors to get him to stop. The cooks placed tiny scissors in the chicken thigh and they serve the chicken with house-made tortillas um 
that is a classic and original dish of Hawthorns. Did you uh, see they the, used a machine? Um, the chicken is served on a wrapped up phone cord too. Oh, I didn't see the phone cord. Yeah. It's funny. I was too busy typing. I love the little, the tiny, the shot of all the tiny scissors. And yeah. the um, they used a machine to uh, print on the tortillas. Um, something special. Lillian's has images of the restaurants that she reviewed that all closed. Anne's and Richard's are photos of them. And then a, fo- uh, then a photo of him with another woman. Tyler's has pictures of him taking pictures of the food on it. So um, funny. And George's has an old show that he did called Calling Dr. Sunshine that was kind of a dumb show, he admits. Uh, the boys, uh, the finance bros, have wire transfer details to the Cayman Islands on them. Uh, Bryce calls Elsa over and asks what they are. First, she's coy. The way she says, Tortillas. They're tortillas. She's so good. She's so good. Um, But says they are Echo Bright's taxes showing fake charges that, but will not reveal how the chef got them. Margo is unwilling to go along with the game and wants to send the food back. Tyler just wants the chef to like him and snaps at her um, after, at her saying he's waited forever to get a reservation here and you don't send things back, and she's being a child. Uh, She says he needs to apologize to her, and he can't talk to her that way. He says he's paying, and she should shut up and eat. She storms away down the hall, and Elsa stops her and points her to the bathroom. She's, like, in front of this, like, big silver door. Um, But Elsa stops before she goes in. She stands on the toilet and opens a window to smoke. Uh, chef follows her in and asks why she's not eating, and it wounds him when she doesn't eat. He asks her who she is, and she says she's from Nebraska and a trailer park. He says she shouldn't be here tonight, and um, she tells him to get the fuck out of her way. In the dining room, they have laid out a white sheet with herbs around the edges. Is Jeff this addresses where you know the room. It's going to go sideways. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Why is no one uh, like really upset about this white yeah. sheet?" Um. Soren stands to ask what the fuck, but is shut down immediately. Chef introduces his his sous chef, Jeremy Loudon, who steps to the center of the white sheet. He created the next dish called The Mess. He is from Nevada and studied at Hyde Park. His goal is to work for Julian. Um, Chef says that Jeremy's good, but will never be as great as he is, but he's desperate for that greatness. Jeremy's life is pressure, and um, if everything goes perfect, it's still a mess. Um, Because you give over everything to please people. Julian asks Jeremy if he likes his life and if he wants his life. And Jeremy says no. Julian kisses him on both cheeks. And then Jeremy puts his gun in in his mouth and shoots himself to death. Dead. Uh, Suicide warning, I guess. We should probably put that in there. Oh, yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, The guests get up in fear. But Chef says that this is what they paid for. Tyler is delighted. He is like giddy with excitement yeah uh the the chefs go back to work seamlessly and jeremy's body is moved lillian says that this is just theater and part of the menu and she's laughing she's convincing (laughs) but like (sighs) i yeah yeah an idiot she's fucking yeah she's Um, the servers put out the course and the title card reads the mess pressure cooked vegetables roasted filet potato confit 
beef jus and bone bone marrow. Rest in peace, Jeremy Loudon. That the Again, R.I.P. Like, Jeremy the, Loudon. Made the me R.I.P. Is so funny. <laughs> so funny. Okay. Dark. We're officially dark territory. Uh, Tyler is unperturbed and eats, but Margot is not fooled. The Somme puts out more wine happily. Richard tells Anne to get up. They're leaving. Elsa stops them and he says there's and says there's no boat. Um, and then two of the, like the staff come forward to block their exit. And begs him to listen to them. Um, and he says he'll handle this. Elsa asks him which hand he'll handle it with. And when he doesn't answer, she chooses the left ring finger for him. Uh, they pin him to the table and cut off his ring finger. Some of the guests uh, meekly try to step in, but Elsa tells them to stay seated. Tyler doesn't look up from his food, and Lillian laughs again as if it's fake. Richard cries in pain, and Anne crouches over him. And when when Elsa returns his his wedding ring to her, she thanks her. She's like, "Thank you." It's like uh, crazy. Okay, it's so crazy. Judith Light is like. I do like she's a little underutilized, but like the absolute like terrified, confused, like wealthy woman that has just been like doing nothing for fifty years, like vacant. She does a good job. Vacant, yeah, that's that's a good word. I like I like we were we were texting about this about the casting choices, and I think like Judith Light is so good, and like in the few lines of dialogue she has, a few like up close moments she has she's so good and i just think she's underutilized yeah um chef calls margo into the kitchen he says she is all wrong and asks again who she is she's repeats her name and he again doesn't believe her the menu and the guest list are were curated and she's ruining it there oh my god that burp took forever to get out Say, let it out girly Whew. Okay, he needs to know where to seat her, with us or with them. She asks if he'll let her live, um, but he says no. They're all going to die. Which is, like, the first time it's said, but I think we were, like, very clearly barreling they're towards They're all going to die tonight, yeah. <laughs> um, does she want to die with those who give or with those who take? Um, he gives her 15 minutes and a timer to decide and tells her to return to her seat. He calls out the plating um, and says he loves them all. And the chefs reply they love him too. When Margot returns to the table, Tyler says she got a kitchen course and asks if it was protein or veg and she slaps him. He does nothing and continues eating, grumbling about her getting a kitchen course. Uh, there's a palate cleanser title card. Uh, wild bergamot and red clover tea the boys are joined george like sneaks over to their table and says they have to do something and they can't just all sit there soren grabs a chair and tries to hurl it at the window but it doesn't break and the workers seem not to care and elsa escorts him back to his table uh chef claps again and everybody was startled again even though they just saw someone kill themselves like and i don't know yeah it's so slow on the up uptake um sometimes he says sometimes all you need is a good cup of tea and asks if anyone has any questions about him or hawthorne and tyler <laughs> asks if there's bergamot in the tea and then he <laughs> what? he's like yes yeah i mean yeah. Oh my God. hilarious uh george tries to address the insanity and soren intervenes with uh what the fuck and chef says that they should think of themselves as ingredients in a tasting concept he says they shouldn't be surprised 
Uh, he points to Lillian, who has ruined many livelihoods. She tries to defend herself, but Chef continues that she loves that he, she was texted an invitation to this dinner and it feeds her ego. And then she's served an even bigger bowl of broken emulsion. It's Again. huge. Hilarious. It's like, yeah, like a comically gigantic bowl it's like of a broken emulsion. Bowl, yeah. <laughs> uh, Anne calls out that Richard needs to go to the hospital and Chef turns to them pointing out that they were loyal regulars and they have been there 11 times and many consider themselves lucky if they eat at Hawthorne only once. He asks Richard to name a dish that he ate the last time he was there and he cannot. Uh, pointing out his privilege and entitlement. Uh, he says his work has reached the point where only the class of people in the room can afford his food. And he's been trying to satisfy people who will never be satisfied, which is so like, that's another like perfect critique of rich people is like, they will never, no matter how many houses they have, no matter how many private jets they get, no matter how many yachts, like they'll never, it'll never be enough. A billion dollars is too much money to spend in one lifetime. And it's not mm -hmm. enough for some reason. Like I, it's crazy. Sickening. It start. It started with his mother. His restaurant is part of the problem. Uh, Bryce points out that this is not his restaurant, and Chef agrees that his angel donor Doug Varick, angel investor uh, Doug Varick, owns the island and Hawthorne. And since Hawthorne is his whole life, Doug owns him as well. But things are now more complicated, and now he owns Doug Varick. He goes to the window and gestures out. They turn on lights, and Doug is strung up in angel wings over the water. The boys try to bribe this Chef. This kind of made me laugh. Them. I feel bad. It was, it, like, he's it like, was really funny. His legs are, like, like dangling. Ah! <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, Bryce says he kept him open through COVID, and Chef says he did, but then he questioned him and asked for substitutions, and there are none at Hawthorne. It's, like, the first, like, <laughs> real, really angry Rage. moment. Yeah. Get. Uh, he is lowered into the water and presumably drowned. Margot's timer goes off for her decision and Elsa tells her to go, go to chef's office. Um, she tells him, Margot tells chef that she, he was right. She doesn't belong there and then calls him brilliant. He tells her she doesn't know that and that she belongs with her own kind, the shit shovelers. He can recognize a service in industry person when he sees one. He noticed her eyeing Richard and she must have provided services to him, but he did something to rattle her. She says that Richard told her to agree with everything he said and maintain eye contact while jerking him off. But he was rattled. She was rattled by him asking him, her to tell him he's a good man um, pretend she's his daughter and tell him she loves him. Yeek. Gross. Um, he asks if she enjoys providing services and she says she does, which is another, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's felt like very, like, have you ever talked to a sex worker? I don't know. Yeah. It like, just felt maybe, like, I don't know how sex workers feel about their work because there are many different perspectives in the, that trade, but like it felt like a little like one dimensional. Like, yeah, of course. I yeah. Do. Yeah. It was just like, it wasn't as nuanced as like sex work is or, and didn't feel like it came from the perspective of someone who's done the work. Right. Um, but by like a guy who thinks that it's like an interesting plot point. Um, he says he used to like it, but hasn't wanted to cook for anyone for a long time. 
he pounces into the dining room like uh, merrily um, and says that it's time for the next course uh, and they'll be taking in the night air and he leads them outside. They gather um, as sous chef Catherine Keller goes over the next course. She says that three years ago, chef tried to fuck her and she refused. A week later, he tried again and she refused again. He didn't fire her, but kept her around, refusing to talk to her directly for eight months, which is like, that's a really plausible thing. Yeah. Like perfect. And I also really liked like Catherine had only like two or three scenes. And I think she did a really good job too. Played by fuck. I didn't look it up. She looks kind of familiar. Christina Brucato. I don't know if I see. She does kind of look familiar now that I'm thinking about it. I'll explore on, while you uh, continue. Two episodes of reading. Law and Order. Okay. Lorder. Um, Lorder. Um, he uh, didn't talk to her directly for eight months. He can do that because he's the star. This course is called Man's Folly. She stabbed him in, stabs him in the groin with scissors and then hugs him and wipes it like a bloody hand across his chest. He says he's so sorry she and was, rips out uh, the scissors. It was pretty crazy. She was young Lolly on Orange is the New Black, which is, I think, where I've seen her. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is exactly where. Um, he rips out the scissors and says that the, his male diners will be given the chance to escape. They will be given forty-five a 45-second head start uh, before the staff tries to catch them. Soren takes off before he finishes explaining. All the rest take off one by one, except Tyler... And Chef tells him he has to. Uh, Chef Catherine invites the women inside while the staff go to hunt the men. Inside, the women are served Man's Folly, and the title card reads Dungeness Crab, Fermented Yogurt Whey, Dried Sea Lettuce, Umbashi, and Kelp. <clears throat> Everyone eats, and Lillian tells Catherine she loves it. Catherine says there was a time that would have meant a lot to her, but she betrays herself and starts crying. Margo and the other woman chime in to say how good it is to like placate her and be nice, which was like, I don't know. Would women, it was like a man's idea of what women do when they're together. It's like, I don't know. Women can be very like supportive and nice, but it just felt like, I don't know. I thought this scene was pretty funny, especially kind of childish. Like, when Lillian was like, we're all going to die tonight, right? Like, and they finally realize and they start to just get shit-faced. I thought that was, like, a funny moment of, like, female yeah. camaraderie. But, yeah, I think it, like, could have been executed that. better. I hated that. cat. Like, as I'm, I will be the first one to start crying. But that's not because I'm a, a woman. It's because I cry a lot. I just, like, right. cry and everything. Like, but they had to make the female sous chef cry at a yeah, good Yeah, and review. I think that you know they I mean? kind of, like... Felt like they kind of sink Elsa in the same way, unfortunately, um, where, like, her yeah. emotions end up, like, undoing her in a really kind of, her like, jealousy. one-dimensional way. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, so uh, outside, the men are all running around and failing to escape. Uh, the boys so try to funny. get into a boat. It's pretty hilarious. Richard runs screaming, uh, and George runs but stops when he has a here's a pop um lillian asked margo if she knows her george husband is and- also wearing like a very impractical scarf that keeps like seeming to get <laughs> stuck on things <laughs> um lil or not lillian 
Anne asks Margot if she knows her husband, and Margot admits it. Catherine tells the group that the menu doesn't work if they don't die tonight. Uh, it all has to tie together conceptually. Lillian tries to appeal to Catherine, saying she could help her open her own restaurant if they don't die. And Catherine says the dying was her idea, and she's super proud of it. Ted is the last to be found, hiding in the chicken coop. Ted Funny. is Lillian's lackey editor. Uh, hilarious. He is rewarded with a Poussard egg. Uh, the title card reads, Egg, Creme Fresh, and Meatball. Uh, Margot tells the ladies her name is Erin, and she's from Brockton, Massachusetts. Brockton. I'm not. I've been there. We used to have South a storage shore. unit there, but nice. South Shore. Um, it's like yeah, like you know, an underserved community for sure. It sure is. Of course, they made her um, like anybody from that's from Massachusetts would be like, "Whoa, that was classist!" Like you know, wow, Wait, yeah. <laughs> but if you're not, you wouldn't really know that, yeah. Um. All the men are brought back inside and everyone sits in their original tables. George lies to Felicity at first saying that he got away and then says he's a failure. Felicity admits that she's been stealing from him and they both know that the other knows. He admits he wrote a bad recommendation to her new job and she says he CC'd her. So she knows. That's such a like boss thing to do. I know. And very relatable. Um, chef asks Tyler why he's here. He says he wanted to experience the food. Chef tells, gets Tyler to admit that he was told everyone would die before he came. When his girlfriend broke up with him, he brought Margot because they didn't offer a single seatings, knowing full well she would also he die. He hired her to die. Yeah. Margot dives across the table, calling him entitled, but the staff pull her back to her seat. Tyler and Chef corresponded for eight months, and he let him into the world, swearing him to secrecy. Chef says he's not like the others and praises him. Uh, He calls Tyler a cook, and he belongs in the kitchen. They give him a chef jacket, and Chef tells him to cook. Elsa leads everyone towards the kitchen to observe the demonstration. Chef gives him full range um, as he calls out what he needs. He is nervous and chops leeks and shallots and butter sloppily. While Chef taunts him, he pan fries uh, that with lamb. Uh, Chef eats it and says it's bad. He's just like, it's bad. Also, like, it's just so funny. Like, his, like, nervous twitchingness. Yeah. And everyone's looking around. And the snarky remarks of like sh- shallots and butter and leeks, like what a, a what a phenomenon! Revelation. A yeah. <laughs> uh, chef tells him he is why the mystery is strange from their art. Chef whispers something in his ear. Uh, Tyler tears up, removes his jacket, and says, "Yes, chef." Quietly, he goes into the closet alone uh, and doesn't come out. Chef Never tells Margot, "Never to be seen again." Right. Uh, he's seen briefly soon enough. Oh, okay. Um, chef, chef tells Margot she is now free too. Chef apologizes to the guests that this was not originally part of the menu. He asks Margot into the back and says there's only one savory dish before dessert. He sends her to fetch a barrel that should have been in the kitchen that Elsa forgot about. It is in the smokehouse and he instructs Elsa to give her the key. On her way out, she te- sees Tyler's body hanging in the closet. Right. And now he's never seen again. Uh, Chef goes to address the room, but George interrupts again, but can't get the words out. Chef asks if he wants to know why he is there. 
Uh, he says he saw the film Calling Dr. Sunshine and didn't like it. He went on his one day off alone in his alone in the cinema. The memory of his face haunts him. He says an artist who loses their craft is pathetic. George asks why Felicity. And then Chef asks her where she went to school. She says Brown. And then he asks if she has any student loans. And she says no. And he says, I'm sorry, you're You're going to die. (laughs) This really made me laugh. Like he goes on this diatribe about Dr. Sunshine that was so like overdramatic and hilarious. Serious. Oh my God. And it was like, again, it's like Felicity and George are two people of color. I think that Felicity is also played by a Latina. Um, But it's like, again, clumsy, clumsy casting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. She should have been like a wealthy white girl from like the Upper East Side, you know, clickety clackety heels or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, with like, it just felt, it feels clumsy. Not saying that there aren't Latinas who like are, you know, of upper middle class or upper class, but like, that's not the majority of people. And that's yeah. not like the class. Like, of how would she would not be have... dining at this restaurant? Right. And like, okay, so you wrote like a character of color that doesn't have student loans. Like, whoa, hero for equity. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And yeah, we all, most of us have student loans and it just seems like, I don't know. I don't know. A concession that I didn't enjoy. Didn't much. help. And also yeah. like, uh, yeah, like a Latino movie star. Like he made a bad okay. movie because yeah. he needs that fucking paycheck. It should have been like a gross, disgusting Chris Pratt-esque It should have been like, like Steven that's... Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Something like that. I don't know. It just felt clumsy. And I want them to have, I want people of color to have roles. I want John Leguizamo to get a paycheck. But this is not, like, representative of the class consciousness that they're, like, trying to execute. It just, like, comes off, like, mixed signals. I do think he, like, he played the role well. And I think John Leguizamo has always been, like, very versatile. So I think, like, that one you can get away with. But some of the like putting actors of color in one dimensional roles just for the sake of doing it was like, this movie was definitely a big offender. Yeah. And it felt like the, you know, what movies try to do all the time is like, Oh, representation is like, yeah, we have people of color in minor tertiary roles. So like we did our job, the representation is all we need, you know. I think you're With totally no... right that um uh, Margot should have been a woman of color. Like that would have been like such Absolutely. a more interesting dynamic. And especially like at like her dynamic with chef and like him immediately understanding that she's a person in the service industry and like her unwillingness to play his silly little game and like buy into his god complex mm-hmm. is like would have been so perfect for like a black woman to play like would have made more sense it would have been more conscious like because uh, like I black think, women have to be so hyper vigilant so in our society her, to like throw in there you not know what I mean? be taken advantage of or like generally put in positions that are dangerous for them so like yeah it would make sense that like a woman of color would like sniff this out a mile away and be like absolutely fucking not you know yeah but alas it was created by white men and directed by yeah we white should men. probably get 
wrapping up, shouldn't we? We're, we're almost clock. there. We're getting there. Okay. Um, Margo is in the smokehouse and finds the barrel and a knife. She takes she takes the chef the knife to chef's private cabin, but also finds her. She, she says she takes care of the customers, so chef can take care of the menu. Elsa says Margot has been a nuisance since she arrived and she will not replace her again, like pushed into jealousy and forced into like a woman against woman dynamic. Right. Um, She dives for Margot with a knife and they fight. Margot runs to the kitchen and just starts throwing things at her to defend herself. She knocks Elsa to the ground and gets on top of her. Elsa is still trying to stab her, but Margot takes control of the knife. Um, Elsa's final words are, he didn't tell me about the barrel. I didn't forget. Right before Margot stabs her in the throat. Uh, Margot screams and staggers up. Uh, She goes to the metal door and finds a room full of Chef's achievements, including an article written by Lillian Bloom and a photo of Chef and Doug Barrett in front of Hawthorne. Um, She sees an old photo of Chef flipping a burger and smiling and she finds a radio Cute. and starts to dial out it looked pretty real i was like ralph did did you once flip you a burger, burger flipping in your boy? life yeah um but you know the miracles of cgi and photoshop uh in the restaurant the chefs bring out a cake and sing to bryce uh the boys say it seemed funny at the time to lie and say it was his birthday three hours ago <laughs> Margot comes in with the barrel and takes her seat. Chef sits across from her and says he was a monster and a whore, but everything he is doing is pure. He can no longer be hurt. He quotes MLK. Uh, We know through painful experience uh, that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed, which is, again, class conscious. But again, like the words of a black man coming out yeah, of the mouth like, of a white man, like a little bit of an incorrect application there, little little off the mark. <sighs> and then I, one of the boys, I forget which one, or George or something, was like, "Did he just quote MLK?" And they're like, "Yep, yep, he did." I think this movie is so close. You know, it it's just so the mark by a little bit. Yeah, just grab a grab a lady. Grab a woman of color, bring her into the writer's room, just like bring him in. Yeah. Let him see what let him take a look at the script. I think just like let him have a call on casting. This let script definitely in. could have benefited from some sensitivity readers and like you know, like the MLK joke is funny, but like a person with the lived experience of a person of color, like in America, would like probably have made it funnier in the writer's room and it would have been funnier if he if chef as ralph fines was quoting mlk to a black woman pretending to be a class exactly a black woman you know like he's about to murder to achieve his like fake vision of whatever you know it would have been funnier and that's like I, you know, we love to say don't get, like, let white guys make movies, which is true. But also, like, this is a good movie. This is a funny script and a it's good funny. movie that just needs It's more. well executed. It's clever. It just needs, like, 10% more. Yeah. It just needed to be looked over by someone who is actually of the class that you're trying to speak to. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> a Coast Guard pulls up to the restaurant and Chef calls to clear the dining room. The staff go around cleaning everyone up, like very roughly, yeah. aggressively. Again, very funny. Chef tells them not to ask for help. He cannot help. He wants them to ask themselves if they want to be responsible for the death of an innocent man and also why they didn't fight harder to escape. They probably could have done it if they yeah, tried like when harder. they were all outside. <laughs> Just literally. Yeah. Uh, the Coast Guard says that he got a call of a disturbance. Chef says they are in the middle of service and everything is fine. The Coast Guard, Dale, recognizes George and Chef offers him his autograph. George does it and the Coast Guard says he loved calling Dr. Sunshine. As he's leaving, he reads the autograph, which says only help us. He pulls out a gun and everyone begs for help, pointing to Chef. Dale calls for Chef to put his hands on his head. Everyone is relieved as he points the gun at Chef, but then leans down to Margot's table, and the gun that is actually just a lighter lights the candle. That's that was out. pretty funny. Uh, he is one of the staff and heads back to the kitchen. Chef addresses Margot and says that he was wrong about her after all. She is a taker and an eater. Cutting insult. It's like very mean. Yeah. Uh, the final course is plating in five. Margot has an idea. She stands and claps for everyone's attention. She says she doesn't like his food and would like to send it back. The chef walks to the front of the kitchen and apologizes. She says she takes he takes the joy out of eating as an and uh, is it makes it an intellectual exercise and does not taste and she does not taste love. He cooks with obsession, not with love. He has failed and bored her, and she's still hungry. She asks him for a real cheeseburger, and uh, and she doesn't think that he can do it. He says he'll make her think it's the first cheeseburger she's ever tasted, and it'll be nine ninety five. Uh, she's asked for fries and sets about make and he sets about making it and serves it on a. Is it a real paper plate or a fake paper plate? I couldn't I think tell. it's a fake paper plate. It looks fake, right? It's like too shiny. Uh, she bites it and enjoys it, but then asks for the rest to go. Uh, the title card reads, Supplemental Course of a Cheeseburger, Just a Well-Made Cheeseburger. Chef boxes up the burger and brings it to Margot with a gift bag. He thanks her for dining at Hawthorne, and she sets a $10 bill on the table and thanks him. She goes to walk out, but turns to the room and locks eyes with Anne, who gestures for her to go. This is, like, the only time where I, like, almost started to cry. Yeah. Because, like, she, like, feels bad for Anne. And honestly, I do, too. I don't, I like, do Anne too. is a rich woman, but... She doesn't deserve. She didn't this. deserve she's like, this. Yeah, she's a blank slate. Like she didn't ask for mm -hmm. this life. Um, when the door closes behind her, Chef tells the room they must settle their bills, and they will all get a gift bag with info on the lo on local suppliers, house made granola, one of Doug Varick's fingers, and a copy of tonight's menu. <laughs> Uh, when everyone they, set when they made them settle the bill, I died. I was like, oh, oh my, my god. god. And they all just whip out their credit cards like, like everything yep, is normal. Like this is second nature to them, just pulling out their credit cards. Um, Chef thanks them for dining with them, and they represent the ruin of his art, and now they will get to be a part of this, his masterpiece. The staff goes around sprinkling graham crackers and chocolate sauces and giant marshmallows. They give everyone marshmallow capes. It's like a capelet so marshmallow. funny. And, and like chocolate, chocolate. They're like little fez, like fez caps. Fez, fez caps, so yeah. funny. 
um, uh, chef says this is a take on a comfort food classic, the s'more. It is everything that is wrong with us. Gelatinous sugar, industrial grade cracker that is made by fire and associated with innocence. He grabs a coal with his bare hands and stands on the mound of crackers surrounded by the giant marshmallows, uh, spouting more bullshit about uh, being cleansed by fire. I was like, is this Game of Thrones? We're being it was cleansed hilarious. by fire. Um, Margo is in the Coast Guard boat uh, and drives away. Chef says he loves them all and everyone uh, calls out they love him too, even the guests. He drops the coal and the fire starts. Margo sees the explosion from the boat and the title card reads, S'more, marshmallows, chocolate, graham cracker, customer, staff, restaurant. Margo eats her burger and watches the flames. She pulls out the menu from the gift bag and wipes her face with it. The end. Hilarious. The la- the s'more scene, I was laugh- like laughing out loud. It was so funny. It's, uh, yeah, it was like, I, I really do like this movie. I like hate parts of it and I think it could have been done better, but I really do think it's very funny. Yeah, I think and, like, it's pretty like, well done. Pretty insightful. I think that it definitely like cuts deep and like fine dining culture, but there is just like a little bit it's like I think it's a little bit too self serious in some ways. I don't know. And like they do talk a little bit about like environmental stewardship and like obviously class consciousness is the through line, but there's the right people are missing and yeah. there's a little like too much made of each dish. In, I don't know. It just like, it's a little bit wrong, but it's so funny and I would watch it again for sure. Well, actually I said I wouldn't. I'm, I'm going back on my word and saying I would watch it again. It's okay if you watch it again. I enjoyed the second viewing. I had more problems with it on the second viewing because I wasn't like waiting to see what was happening. I was like more focusing on what was happening in the moment. Yeah. Um, The crux of the problem is that Anya Taylor-Joy is completely miscast in this role. It is like she's not believable as a poor person. She's not believable as a sex worker or working class person. Her styling is, like, all wrong. Like, I feel like giving her that shocking, like, red hair is such a thing that you, like, associate with sex work. Like, it's just all wrong. Like, she, like you said, it should be Zoe Kravitz or Zendaya or, like, it should be a woman of color who, like, comes from the lived experiences that Chef is trying to, like, talk about when he talks about, like, takers and eaters and, you know givers or whatever eaters makers i forget eaters makers um yeah i don't yeah i really think that and i don't like i she's great in some things i i just really think that like the whole story would have been more successful with better like more informed casting ah she's so perfect in like a period piece but this just like wasn't quite right or like yeah playing a witch playing against a goat great against a go but but also like why are there why do there's like three people of color in the kitchen which is like false unless yeah like slow like really is racist and like if you're going for like a white supremacist cult sort of vibe then they should all be white you know but that's not mm-hmm. where they were going with it 
and there should be and would be and is in most restaurants more people of color and it would have made more sense if the sous chef that kills himself jeremy if he was a person of color if Catherine was a woman of color like that yep. would all make sense and if Even, the finance I mean, grows like, and you see how well executed star. like elsa's character is you can it can be done perfect like, yeah <laughs> and yeah like uh, it doesn't make sense to make the douchey finance bro three men of color and the one black guy in the dining room gets two lines maybe three like he barely talks and i love arturo castro i love him he's hilarious for him either i do do not think this was right for him no he he's not believable as like a straight finance bro no, and even a though I think he's like naturally bro, like, funny, an estranged and, like, wife. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, yeah. have you ever seen his show? Have you ever seen? Uh, I the, have seen it. He's like, the Castro Experience or something. It's something like that, oh. and it, he's a really he does like he's believable as straight when he's in sketch comedy. I guess, like <laughs> you know, like this was not the thing. This was not the thing. And I, yeah, and I think, like, to, like, cast them and those men and, like, Bryce, like, the big bad is, like, an Asian man is, like, yeah. kind of, like, icky. It feels, like, icky in it was that a, way. It was, and then also, it like, wrong. It, yeah. it would have been, a, it would be three gross white guys who are too loud and too drunk mm-hmm. and, like, don't understand the situation. That is, that is white guys. Like, you're like, trying that's to when be. you need to cast a white guy. Yeah, like those those roles are made for white guys. Like you're trying to demonstrate like excess and like how disgusting it disgusting it is when billionaires like embezzle money and do like selfish things to take money off like to offshore accounts and like just incredible greed. And that's like what's more white male than just like disgusting <laughs> like out of control greed. I just think like, yeah, that was so confusing. Like I can, I'll keep, I'll keep George Diaz. I'll keep John Leguizamo. But like, yeah, other than I that, there's sort just some of things wrong. See that. It's not right. And if it wasn't like, if it wasn't George Diaz and the finance bros, all being men of color and none, you know, then it wouldn't be so like, what are you doing? This is all wrong. Like, how many times have you been at a bar or a restaurant and th- a group of three white guys comes in and is too loud, They're just so everybody's annoying. vibe, exactly. doesn't know how to, like, blend in with the room? That is what they're doing. Like, also, that's, like, the um, place of Margo was supposed to be played, originally going to be played by Emma Stone, which I can, like, believe less somehow. <laughs> yeah, well, like, that's worse. No, it's worse. <laughs> Ralph Fiennes, Fiennes, perfect. I guess I don't know how to say his last name. I think it's Ralph Fiennes. Fiennes? Like, you've got to find. Does it, he has like a, isn't there another Fiennes, the Shakespeare in Love guy? Oh, the guy who played, um, he played like Michael Jackson for yes. no reason at all. Like nobody knows why that ever happened joseph finds joseph finds yeah wait his whole name <gasps> joseph That's his sibling joseph albrecht twistleton wycombe finds <laughs> no lie 
Oh, huh. Ralph Nathaniel Twistleton Wycombe Fines. They're, Twistleton. Their last name is triple hyphenate. Eek. Wow. Yeah. If, w- imagine being Ralph Fine's brother. It's like, I I give up. Goodbye. Yeah. I Gotta mean, he, I don't think Joseph really got off the ground, did he? Poor thing. Martha Fines is a director. <laughs> yeah, there's Shakespeare in Love, and that's kind of all I remember. And then, yeah, he played Michael Jackson. I don't No one asked for that. No, uh, please Magnus don't do that, Fiennes, sir. A composer. Magnus, Jesus. There's a lot of, this is like the original Skarsgård family. What a, what a family. Sophie? Oh, hold on. Caesar's calling me. Okay. Can you hear that? Hold on. Um, no, I can't hear it. Should we wrap up? I'll call him right back. Yeah, I'll sit. I'll call I think we've back. said what needs to be said. Okay. Um. Yeah, we've said pl- plenty. We're an hour and probably too to much. Yeah. Boy. Um. What do we want to fuck? Not letting um people of color into the casting or the writers' room. True. Corporate greed, generally just classism and the wealth gap. Um, yeah, intersectionality or bust. You know, you can't Bitches. say one without the other. That's uh, right. It, all systems are interconnected, baby. I think, yeah, some of that some of the casting is perfect, some of it is not. And the ones that are not are like really obvious. It's like a sore thumb. Yeah. Sore thumb. Um, yeah, I think you should watch this movie though. I think it's pretty. I fun. would say watch it. It's available on Max. If you have a Max subscription, that's where I watched it. Formerly mm-hmm. HBO, formerly HBO Go, <laughs> formerly formerly Home Box Office Entertainment, <laughs> Home Box Office Entertainment with the static <laughs> TV screen. But yeah, I I think it's worth the watch. It was like. I would made like a cackling laugh that was sh- like a shocked cackle laugh more than once for sure. Yeah. And it's yeah, like we ruined it for you, but um I think like even with spoilers it's fun. I mean, you can you know what's going to happen, right? Like otherwise there's no yeah. the movie's not the movie. Uh it yeah. seems pretty obvious. Um well- I had a Thanks lot of fun for listening. recording this episode. Thanks for listening. Sorry it's and been so long. We're trying. But it's good to be Should... back with my new ball, yeah. you know? New ball. To clarify, snow. Ball of snow. Comma microphone. Um, but I would say maybe remember that you can't shit upwards. And stay ugly. And get fucked. Get fucked. Okay, bye. Bye. Love you.